Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boost that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You're listening to SpursCast, episode 623. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the SpursCast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will recap the Spurs' opening week of free agency, and we'll review the Salt Lake City Summer League. Let's go to get started. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You know, you and I were just on the SpursCast a week ago, right before free agency started, and wow, was this a wild, unusual type of free agency for the San Antonio Spurs. That was a little bit different than what we're used to here. I mean, there's, there's still moves probably going to be made here, so we'll get into that in, in depth, SpursCast listeners. Thank you for joining us. I uh, just want to make sure I note this because, you know, the Spurs have been making some wild moves lately that we have, that you know, just came out of nowhere, so I do want to note that we're recording this call now on, on, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on, on a Saturday, so just letting you, you all know that. All right, so Colin, let's begin with just some, um, some different news. Um, before we get into to the bulk of our podcast here. And that is first on Team USA, Coach Pop and Keldon Johnson. They get a gold medal. Well, Coach Pop technically doesn't, but, you know, Keldon, Keldon does. But he guided them toward that gold medal win. Uh, Team USA defeated um, Spain first in elimination game, then Australia, Patty Mills, and then also newest spur, Jock Landale. And then, of course, the gold medal game on Friday evening in San Antonio for us, those that live here, uh, it was a gold medal game, and, and Team USA won, won that game against uh, France uh, to, to win the gold. So Coach Pop guides the team to as a head coach um, for the first time. And then also, you know, Keldon didn't get a lot of minutes, but still he, he he's, he's a gold medal winner uh, as a member of the Spurs. Now, I do want to bring up the, the last game before the gold medal game, and that was against Australia in that knockout game uh, because um, th- it was a, it was a newest spur um, on the team, and that's that's going to be Jock Landale. He's a, he's a, he's a he's a center from Australia. Uh, currently, was playing in the NBL over there with Melbourne, and so I, I really during this game, I really wanted to see what he does. That, that was like a really good opportunity for me to just kind of just get like a little scouting on him in, in one specific game and just see how, what he does. And I was very impressed by what he does. Um, you know, brought to the court on both ends of the floor. I noticed that um, you know he's a very, he's very quick for a big, even though he's like your traditional like you know six eleven seven foot center. He's actually very quick on his feet, um, and he also knows good spacing like he's not afraid to take threes he he, he immediately knows to if they're going to do like a five out set he, he knows to go stand in the corner or or stand up up above the arc and be in the passing lanes for threes and he has a pretty quick you know release on his shot so that was something he didn't make I don't think he made a three in that game but still it's very impressive that he knew exactly where to go on the floor for being a center and, and knowing how to space out the offense uh, the next thing I noticed um, was that he showed a very quick burst on one possession he caught he had the ball near the three-point arc and he kind of faked the dribble handoff and then he just like bursted toward toward the lane 
and got into the paint. And Team USA was off. They, they were caught off guard with how fast he was. And so they were forced to foul him. And, you know, and, and he got fouled. So that was actually very impressive. Uh, I also noticed that, you know, in the second half, um, Team USA did a great job of really f- um, frustrating Patty Mills. They had a really good defensive scheme against him and, and, and all their perimeter players in Australia. So because of that, Jock Landale was the only player who even got decent looks um, against Team USA because we know that Team USA runs a lot more small ball type of lineups. Um, he did a good job in the post, and he got some pretty good quality shots there uh, in that second half. So, again, we, we see that he can score interior if he's not playing against people, I mean, uh, opponents' size. And then the last thing I noticed was that he's actually showing some, some lateral quickness on, on, the, on defense. There was one possession where KD could try to go one-on-one with him, um, you know, at the top of the three-point arc. He basically tried to drive left um, by Landale, but Landale kind of shuffled his feet very well, and Durant had to basically um, take, like, a fadeaway like, mid-ranger, and he, he made the shot because KD's just, you know, phenomenal. But still, the fact that if, if, he, if Landale's able to stay with bigs like KD, you know, one of the elite bigs in the NBA, that's going to be a good sign. So, again, uh, I was very impressed with, with, with just the, the one game that I saw him in. Um, Colin, did you have any thoughts just based on some of those um, the scouting reports that I, that I provided? Yeah, I think... You know, for me, and I think this is where a lot of my confusion with the outcry of the Spurs needing a big has come from lately. Uh, You know, we heard about Spurs fans wanting a big in the draft. We heard about them wanting a big in free agency. And I think that was really confusing to me because I think Jakob Pertl is a starting quality center in the NBA. And then Mm -hmm. backup center is such an easy role to fill. And the bar is so low to get a, like, production minutes from that spot and so knowing that he has these skills of spacing some bursts some quickness um that to me is interesting in terms of the bar for production for backup centers in the nba right now is so low that i feel like at least on the offensive end he can play himself in one of the things that i'm wondering though is that some of those kind of bigger stronger centers just because the way that the nba is headed have kind of been like pushed to the bench or to like these smaller mm-hmm. minutes. So I'm interested what would happen if he's matched up with those more often, um, just kind of with what you've told me so far. However, you know, I, I just think if he has like any sort of offensive <laughs> contributions at all, that's about what you can expect from a backup center in today's NBA. So I, I think that it was a great get for them. If it's one of those things where it's an experiment and they try it for a year or two, doesn't really work out, then they don't really lose a lot from this, but if they kind of gain a rotation player for years to come, then they've had a big win. So it's a very like low risk, high reward type of uh, proposition to sign him. Yeah, for sure. And just like, again, like he's, he's only 25. And so he already got to see, you know, on the international stage, got, got to play against some of the better players um, in, in the NBA, already getting that, ex- that, that, that kind of um, exposure and that type of um, of experience. So that's going to be interesting. Again, and we'll get a little bit further into Landale now uh, in, our, in our next segment. So, so this next segment, um, you know, I'm calling it, the title here is Free Agency Review So Far. And the reason why I say that's a so far is because there's still going to be some moves here down the road that, that the Spurs need to figure out. And so let's first begin, Colin, with the, with the trades that the Spurs made. So again, you know, this is a very active offseason for San Antonio to be included in multiple trades. Uh, the, the first one, the big one, was that De- DeMar DeRozan was signed and traded to the Chicago Bulls, and in return, the Spurs got Thaddeus Young, uh, Al Farouk Aminu, a 2025 um, first-round pick from the Bulls, and also two um, future second-round picks. Um, you know, this is interesting because just right before you and I got get, uh, got ready to record, I, I was listening to a podcast with Zach Lowe of ESPN, and he mentioned that, you know, Thaddeus Young is going to be a player that teams are going to want, you know, as, as, as we get close to the playoff months from now, and he thinks that maybe there's a chance the Spurs could get a first-round pick for him. They could flip him because he and Amino are both on expiring deals. Um, uh, Young's going to make $14 million this coming season, and then Amino's at $10 million. So, again, he, uh, Zach Lowe thinks that, you know, down the road here um, – before you know February March whatever the trade deadline is that the Spurs might be able to, to, to flip Young. Uh, also, the Spurs were involved in another trade, a five-team trade um, that that included the, the Brooklyn Nets and Washington Wizards. And basically, the Spurs got back um, Chandler Hutchinson, um, who, who only who's, who's going to make four million this coming season, and also a 2022 um, second-round pick from the Wizards. And then they had to send out the draft rights to Nikola Milutinov, who was a former Spurs first-round pick in 2015, but he's never made his way to the NBA. So again, um, these are two. Just give me your thoughts, Colin, initially. Again, I don't know how many of these players are going to stay on the roster because as we get to further into this episode, there's going to be a roster crunch that has to happen no matter what. So I, I don't know how long these players will be on the roster, but just kind of give me your thoughts on the first the, 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 trade, the trades that the Spurs made. Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting to think about the Spurs maybe flipping Thad Young for assets because he is, of all the players that the Spurs received in trades, the best one by, I would say, mm-hmm. a pretty healthy margin. And so the idea that they flip him to me says that the Spurs, you know, maybe not like taintastic rebuild, <laughs> but just understanding that their timeline 
to compete for a championship is not right now um, and that they would eat sacrifice even short-term playoff aspirations to maybe even make the playoffs or play-ins for lottery assets um, or draft assets might not be lottery assets. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the Spurs haven't shown that willingness, even though they've kind of been moving in that direction for a while. So I think that kind of move would be incredibly interesting in terms of showing where their mindset is at with what they want to do going forward. I will say, though, that I do think if they keep Thad Young, that he can have a big contribution to this group. He was good for the Bulls last year. He's a great defensive player. There, there's just a lot that he can bring to the table for this team. And and so kind of he's the only one that I think, to me, is, is really kind of this impact rotation player for this team. Uh, and if they decide to flip him for draft capital, that really shows kind of a marked change in the Spurs mindset than where it was the last couple of seasons. So I think he's an interesting player for a couple of reasons, because one, he'll be a contributor. And two, if they do decide to flip him now, we are going, you know, maybe not the tank route for the Spurs, but they are thinking a little bit more rebuildy than I think they've kind of been doing in the past. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with you there, and and I also agree with you on Thad Young. I think that I mean, if you look at um, Profit X's um, kind of career projections, you know, they project him to he was an impact starter last year, and they and they still project him to be an impact starter in these next two years. So you know, he's going to continue to 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 play at that that type of level right now, at a productive level. Whereas Aminu and, uh, and and Hutchinson, you know, they're more so like depth kind of players toward the end of the roster uh, at at this point. Um, you know, especially Hutchinson, even though he's young, he still hasn't really proved anything in the in the NBA at this point. Um, okay, so now let's look at some of the signings that they made. Um, you know, these, there's, there's quite a few signings here, and, and some of them were kind of expected. Some of them were, were um, more, um, you know, very surprising. So let's begin with some expected ones. You know, just before, back in June, I was kind of like making these scouting profiles for our other Project Spurs Network site called AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and I had looked at Doug, Doug McDermott as a player who, yeah, he stretches the, the floor, um, and, you know, and he's going to provide, he can play the three or the four for the team, and they need shooting. So I was like, okay, McDermott's a good a good pl- uh, player for the Spurs to look at. And sure enough, uh, they did sign him um, for three years, $42 million. Now, last week when I, I didn't have him in our list, uh, Spurs cast listeners, of, of um, the, the free agents that I was looking at only because of his age. I felt, I think he was like 28 or 29. And I just felt like he was, I thought that they were going to uh, look at specific free agents that were kind of in, in that, in that, in that age group of like Derek White and DeJounte Murray and, and, you know, some of the younger players. So that's why I didn't have him on the list, but initially I thought that he would be a good fit for the Spurs. And sure enough, they um, inked him to a three year, $42 million deal. Then this next player was reported that the Spurs did have interest in him. This is Zach Collins. Now, now he's a, he's a little bit interesting because of his situation. You know, he, he got a three year, $22 million deal. Now we don't, know right now how much of this deal is guaranteed and the reason why I say we have to keep an eye on that is because he has a major history of, of being injured he's really only had like one complete healthy season in the NBA at this point uh, he currently is injured even to, to come into the Spurs because just um, right at late June's um, Shams had tweeted that he that he had fractured his foot that he had just had surgery on so again we don't even know when he's expected to be on the court so for now it's a three-year 22 million dollar deal and it is interesting to see how much of that deal is fully guaranteed then the very surprising uh, signing that we, that we mentioned earlier that nobody had had their eye on was Jock Landale. I mean, just, this just came out of nowhere where the Spurs um, uh, reportedly signed him to a two-year deal. We don't know how much it's for. Uh, I'm thinking it's for the minimum only because he is an undrafted player. Um, he, he try, uh, I think it was 2018 when he tried to get into the draft and, and he, he went undrafted. So, again, because he has no NBA experience, um, I, w- I would assume it's for the minimum, but who knows if they gave him a little bit more to, to, to bring him from, from, from Australia, uh, from his, his former club. And then a, another more surprising signing – that, that had some, you know, that had some, some uh, de- definitely got the Spurs fan base riled up. Was uh, Bryn Forbes coming back to the team? Uh, he was also um, resigned, or he's going to resign. We do not know yet the amount that he's resigning for, and we also don't know how many years it's for. Um, it could be one year deal, it could be multiple years. We don't know. Uh, it can be anywhere from the minimum or um, to the to the room exception of four point nine million. So I know there's a lot there, Colin. Just give me your analysis on on all these um these moves that they made so far. Yeah. So um, you know, I know. Both of us are big fans of the NBA, and so there'll be times where we're just consuming NBA content. And I, I always try to look for pods, even like local market pods. And sometimes you just find a podcast that even if it's not a team you follow, is just interesting. And and for some reason that ended up being true with the Locked On Pacers podcast. I just enjoy their podcast. Something okay. about it. And, and I know I was listening earlier last season, and I, I didn't really listen as much later on in the season, but earlier in the season when the Pacers were looking like they were having a good season before everything kind of completely fell off the rails, <laughs> um, they were talking that Doug McDermott was actually doing more off the dribble than they had noticed that he had before, which is just kind of an interesting wrinkle in that. You know, I think yeah. he can do a good amount offensively. It's just nice that the Spurs are getting another player who can space the floor. But a player who can also kind of create his own shot off the dribble is nice too, just because I think 
the Spurs have a lot of players who can create offense for themselves off the dribble, but kind of like what we talked about in the free agent preview for a couple weeks now, um, in terms of players who can create for others, they have players who can do that, but not like at an A-plus level like DeMar DeRozan can, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have like a collection of players who can create offense for themselves is kind of helpful just because they don't have that like high tier create for others player right now, you know, and, and, uh, Derek White and Dejon Murray can both do that, you know, at a good level, but just maybe not an elite level like DeMar can. Um, and I think Zach Collins is really, really interesting to me. It's another one of those gambles, uh, kind of like Jock Landell. Unfortunately with this one, it's a little bit higher risk just because of the length of the contract. But like you said, it might not be guaranteed in the couple back years there. Yeah. But the nice thing about the Spurs at this position is that unlike in past years where they're like gung-ho on competing, if they really do shift to this mindset of like, we want to develop internally while also continuing to build draft capital, then they can waive him without stretching him because they're in this position where every dollar doesn't count anymore. You know, yeah. some of these kind of things in the past where they've taken risks and they haven't worked out, they have to the waive and then stretch, and then that lasts for years and years and years. Uh, but now they're in a position where especially if a lot of the contract later on isn't guaranteed, they can waive them without having to stretch it. And then that's not going to affect the books for quite as long. And so hopefully in three or four years, when they're kind of getting back to a playoff contending type team, they, they a playoff contending type team. They, they won't have to buy upside move, which I like. I like that they're kind of taking some swing for the fences moves. Uh, this one does come with a little bit more risk, um, but <laughs> Not too bad, I think. And then Bryn Forbes is interesting. Um, I think he had a pretty good playoffs. You know, I think people will point to the fact that he got played off the floor in a couple of the series. Yeah. But the fact that he was really impactful in one of the series, I think that's the best you can ask for in a rotation player. You know, Mm -hmm. like, okay, sure, he didn't get a lot of playing time after that first series, or if he did, it wasn't quite as good. But, like, he was amazing in that series against the Heat for the Bucks. And and if you have a, a rotation player who has one amazing series on a way to a championship, that's really all you can ask for. <laughs> now, does that mean he's going to have an amazing year? No, but he's a role player, which means that he should be good in spot and role situations. And I think he's proven that he can do that. He'll still be, you know, probably a liability on the defensive end, but the Spurs kind of have less of those on the court now with some of their free agent moves. Yeah. So I... I think it's good for this team that needs more shooting to have another shooter, and I think they can make up for his defensive liabilities a little bit easier than they could when they were playing both him and DeRozan together. Okay, so I had I had two thoughts, and just kind of bringing up what you what you mentioned there about McDermott. When I, when I did McDermott's scouting profile back in June, I did notice and it actually surprised me that the majority of his shots. I mean, the yeah, the, the majority of his shots came actually in the paint, not from three, and that's actually very surprising when you think of a guy who's just a shooter. So th- so that goes back to what you just mentioned that that he was learning how to, last season how to grow and, and and putting the ball on the floor and making plays because yeah, I mean, he was actually getting in and and he and when you look at cleaning the glasses um rankings, he's basically one of the top players as a forward that that scores near the rim. So like that's actually an accuracy and an attempt. So again, that's a very good sign to see that he's not just you know a spot up shooter. He's going to be able to know how to get into the paint and put the ball on the floor for a team that's going to lack a lot of a lot of shot creation since DeRozan did leave uh, and then going back to Brent Forbes um, just um, one thought that I had was that I remember a few years ago when um, there was a season when Forbes was on the team and when um, there was a bunch of injuries when I think it was um, uh, DeJounte Murray was out and, and then another point guard and and Forbes basically had to run the backup point guard um, for, for a while there and so I always envisioned that maybe down the road they wanted him to kind of take that Patty Mills type of role where you know Patty just kind of gets the, the Spurs into their sets you know he's not quite um, you know you know heavy to, to, to do what DeJounte and what DeRozan did with the offense he's, he, he gets to be more so like a spot up shooter a lot of times as well and so I really wonder if that's kind of what they want Bryn to be. If they if they don't feel like Trey Jones is quite ready just yet to become like the backup point guard for this team, whether maybe they just throw out lineups with like Lonnie and Bryn Forbes, where you have like two different guards, even though even though one's not a traditional point guard, they have just different guards out there with a lot of shooting because that's what Bryn's going to definitely bring you. So again, um, it's interesting that, that that they brought him back, and and you know the, the amount's not going to be for a lot. It's going to be like at, at max, it's probably going to be at at four point nine million. It's not going to be like a huge like ten to fifteen million dollar deal. So so again, um. 
you know, so again, we'll see what happens. Again, those are the signings that they made so far. Now let's let's talk about the players that are gone from this team. Um, DeMar DeRozan's gone. He went to Chicago, like we mentioned. Rudy Gay signed as an unrestricted free agent in Utah. Uh, Patty Mills, you know, uh, who's been with the Spurs for a long time, the last member of their championship team, is gone now to, to the Brooklyn Nets to go compete for a championship. Uh, Trey, Trey Lyles um, got a deal with, Detro- with the Detroit Pistons. And then a player that the Spurs reportedly wanted to bring back, Gorgie Jang, who was pretty good last year for them in, in his minutes off the bench, uh, he ended up signing with Atlanta. So all those players are now gone from the roster. Some unknowns that that we don't know about right now uh key debates job um you know he's still a restricted free agent as of now as of this morning that that, that, we're, that we're recording because um you know the, the spurs haven't quite yet pulled his qualifying offer or renounced his cap hold so they have until august 13th to take away the, the qualifying offer um without his permission so they can still do that uh, they have a few more days here to do that and, and again right now just all indications for what i see just because of there's no roster space left that we're going to talk about in a bit here i do i don't think he's coming back um, you know uh key debates job and then also quindary Weatherspoon, who's also an unrestricted free agent, the Spurs haven't quite yet renounced his cap hold, but it looks like he's not coming back because um, he's currently playing with the, another summer league team. I think it's the Cavs is who he was with. There. There's another summer league team that he's on right now. Anyway, um, all right, so now let's talk about our next segment. It's called More Moves to Come, and so this has to happen, and the reason why I'm, I'm calling this is, is because as of right now, uh, you know, these these all these deals aren't official yet, but when they become official, the Spurs are actually going to have 17 players on the, on their roster uh, when we don't include, like, you know, training camp invites or, or two-way players, and the reason is is, uh, you know, by the time opening night gets here in, in, in the season, they have to be down to 15 players. So here's what we know uh, about some of the roster construction. We know that um, Drew Eubanks is on a non-guaranteed contract up until August 19th. So the Spurs have about a, a week and a half left to, to make a decision on, are they going to bring Eubanks back or, or not? Now, before we started free agency, I was like of the mindset of, yeah, they're going to bring Eubanks back. He's, he's, been, he's done very good. He's continued to grow in, in, in his role in these last few seasons. Coach Pop definitely trusts him a lot more than some of the other bigs in the roster behind Jakob Pertl. However, with the moves they made there's not going to be many minutes for Eubanks I mean he's going to have to be competing with McDermott at the four you got uh, uh, Thaddeus Young at the four or the five he could play both that uh, Aminu's there at the four you still got to get Lucas Amonich some minutes somehow I don't know what's how he's gonna get minutes at all you still got Jakob Perto at the five if, if you want to play Eubanks at the five now you have Landale at the five and then whenever Zach Collins eventually gets healthy well then now Zach Collins is coming in to put to compete for minutes at the four or the five so I mean now because of all the depth they've added I'm very um, I, I, I'm thinking now just because they need roster space I think that you know, there's a chance that Eubanks might uh, get waived. What do you think about Eubanks' situation? Yeah, I, I think it's just difficult in terms of kind of everything that you outlined there. They have a lot of quality bigs at the four and the five, kind of as you mentioned. And because he's on a contract that hasn't guaranteed yet, like it, it makes him one of the easiest options to waive. You know, it's not, you know, if you're waiving one of the other options here to kind of clear up the roster you are waiving kind of salary that's not going to come off the cap. <laughs> and not that the Spurs really like need cap space for this league year anymore. Like free agency has already passed. They're probably not going to pick anyone up. Um, in um, the buyout market, even though we would have thought that last year too, and they actually got a very quality player in the buyout market. But it's just, just with the guarantee date, kind of coming up and just with everything else going on like you said there might be more moves to be made yeah mm-hmm. i know that people have like speculated because some of the weird the moves just seem so weird yeah <laughs> if is there a trade in the works and um sometimes weird things just happen and there's no trade but if there is a trade then that could clear up the space to keep a eubanks or something but i i would say like if if there's nothing else major in the works and that the roster is just going to kind of be trimmed down to 15 um, I would imagine that, that he might be one of kind of the, the casualties here. I yeah. would be interested, though, to see if he makes it into like summer camp or something. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard because he does seem like a valuable piece of their team. But to me, it just kind of makes sense that he probably is going to be the one to get cut here. Yeah, that, that's my you know, that's that's where I'm at, too, just like you. And unless they make different moves with trades or waving other players, uh, to get open up more roster spots then you know unfortunately he's gonna it looks right now at least on paper that he's gonna have to be the player that gets waived and, and you know and, and again he's played really good he's continued to develop and coach Pop definitely likes him because uh, you can tell he put he has him a lot of minutes as as, a, as that backup big behind Yaka but again just because of all the players they brought in right now on paper it looks like you know this is a, it's, it might be un- unfortunate for Eubanks that he might get waived so again we'll see he has until um, um the Spurs have until August 19th to make that determination and we'll see what other moves they make before then and now um you know even if they waive Eubanks well then guess what they're still 
have one more player they have to they have to move off this roster because then they'd be at 16 players. And again, you got to get it down to 15 um, full NBA um, slots by opening night. Now you can still have two two way players, but that, you know we're not talking about two way just yet. And so because of that, you know. They're, they're going to have to make a choice. You know, are they are they moving um, Chandler Hutchinson, who's who's only uh, going to make four million this coming season? Or are they going to move Aminu, who probably doesn't look like he's going to be part of the rotation, uh, but he's making ten point two million? You know, you want to have that contract to, to move. To, that's a good contract to trade down the road. Uh, you can try to try, try to move that contract. To, to just you know, it's a good salary filler. And then also, you know, they have Joe Wieskamp, who looks more and more unless there's moves made, kind of like for Eubanks. If, if there's no other moves made, I mean, it's going to be tough to give you uh, Wieskamp the second round pick, a spot, a roster spot. So I I, I honestly think he's going to end up on a two contract so so um what are your thoughts on, on that situation as well the fact that even if they wave eubanks they still got to get rid of one more player yeah and i think knowing that they have to probably get Wies camp on a two-way is a little bit difficult for me just for the same reason that we talked about it right after the draft and the the sense of like okay if he if he does find his range from deep if he does become a consistent contributor now all of a sudden um especially from his shooting now, all of a sudden, you know, we, he's passed this two-day window. Let's say the Spurs are competing for a play-in spot and his shooting is valuable to the rotation. Now they need to wave another player just to sign him to a full deal. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's easier to, to, I guess, cross that bridge when you get there. But just because he has a skill that could be valuable to the Spurs making a push for the play-in or, like, in a first-round series, I, I kind of wish that he were on the main roster. But... I, I also understand that just with the roster crunch, that's hard to make happen. Um, but I, I would agree with you. I mean, like you said, that Aminu contract is just so good in terms of like trade salary. Um, yeah. Because then instead of having to trade two of the young core, you can trade one of the young core with kind of a bigger salary there. Um, but it just, it, it's one of those things where it's, I mean, I guess Hutchinson would be the best other option. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, 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 I, I think it was just interesting because I know that after that second day of free agency, I thought a lot of us thought, oh, you know, cool. The Spurs have done their off season. <laughs> yeah. And then like three more signings came in and we were like, we, okay, <laughs> how are they going to do this? Um, so I, I'm really interested to see what this roster looks like on opening night because it will look different than this. Um, I think, like you're saying, Eubanks and Hutchinson makes the most sense. But yeah. if they bring them into training camp and they like them more than other options, it'll be interesting to see what happens to those other options. So I think it's really up in the air and it could kind of be a long game before we figure out kind of what this roster looks like in season. Exactly. And yeah, and the reason why I say Hutchinson is because, you know, just looking at his situation specifically, you know, he hasn't really, um, he's already been on, this is going to be his third team now that he's, that he's gone to. He's, he started off with Chicago, third team now that he's, that he's gone to. He started off with Chicago, then he went to, uh, uh, the, you know, made his name in the NBA. He hasn't really done anything. Uh, you know, I, I think he's probably dealt with some injuries as well. And then also, um, you know, just the salary, $4 million. So, so, and then also even to, to get a chance, you know, let's just say the Spurs are going for more development. It doesn't matter. Like, he's still got, he's still got to compete with minutes for Devin Vassell, who's looking really good in summer league. He's got to compete with Lonnie Walker the fourth, who's up for a contract extension or it could be a restricted free agent so, and then he's got a you know Derek White and DeJounte Murray is still there so there's just like even if even if they wanted to keep him and give him a chance it's going to be hard for him to even crack that rotation as a brand new player on this team and so because of his salary situation unless they trade him or trade other players before this uh before the opening night of the season yeah I really feel like just because of his salary situation he might also um end up being waived uh, uh for the Spurs so again we'll kind of see what, what they have what they're going to do again because there, there has to be a roster crunch at some point before opening night which is in, I think I think mid-October is when the season starts or, or late October all right, so now, even though the Spurs were reported to, um, you know, be active in these in these talks, I do we we always want to revisit the situation with Ben Simmons. The reason why is because we know that they at least had interest at one point in him. So we know that the original offer um, right before the draft was. Um, uh, one of the young players plus four first round picks plus three pick swaps. And of course the Spurs said no to that uh, from Philly. So now that the Spurs have made all these different moves, it's a little bit different because now they don't have that cap space anymore. So let's talk about, you know, what would it still take to get Ben Simmons? Cause until Ben Simmons is on a different team, we kind of have to keep revisiting, um, you know, the situation. Cause we know that the Spurs at least at one time had interest here. So, um, you know, Colin, you crunched the numbers and, and you basically figured out that, you know, since the Spurs no longer have cap space in order, in order to get Simmons, they would have to at least send out $26.3 million dollars in salary cap, I mean, and salary for amongst um, different players. Now, the way to make that work is most likely going to be, you know, we know that Philly wants a young player, so that could be, you know, Derek White or Dejounte Murray, and then you probably send them with a player who, who's going to be a, a good piece for Philly, but also, you know, because the salaries work, is somebody like Thaddeus Young would probably be included. So, so, so we figured, you know, either Derek and, and Thaddeus Young or. 
DeJounte and Thaddeus Young, that gets you to about $29 million in salary. And so that makes it, that makes the deal work. And it also keeps Philly under the tax uh, as long as they waive some of their non-guaranteed players. So, so again, if there's a trade in terms of players, it's going to be um, probably a combination of, of those two players uh, for Simmons if that were to happen. Now, um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, now the Spurs, you know, maybe it doesn't look as difficult for them to say to send four first-round picks. Maybe they sent three first, and then uh, maybe that new Bulls pick that they just got for that's supposed to come out in 2025. And then we don't know if, you know, if Philly won the, the pick swaps. And if this were to happen, you know, you and I have been looking into the CBA and, and looking at different things, and we've kind of figured out that the most likely thing is that if they included Thaddeus with one of the Spurs players like like DeJounte or, or Derek, then the, the deal would probably have to wait for about two months. So there's some, like, cap, cap um, rules there why that has to happen uh but it, but if not uh there's also another rule though that if, if they take Thaddeus and, and Aminu into into um salary cap space well, then maybe they can just make that 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 type of trade happen quickly so so the the, the most um the, the expectations that it would take two months after Thaddeus lands in San Antonio to send him uh to, to the Sixers if this trade were to happen again there's no reporting that it's going to happen we're just we're just revisiting what would it take to, for, to make a, uh this type of deal happen so Colin give me your thoughts on if the Spurs were to, to, to sp- uh, talk with the Sixers again sure and, and kind of just um going into an, another theoretical option here is let's say that like we wake up tomorrow and the Spurs and 76ers have agreed to a trade for Ben Simmons and the DeRozan uh, sign-in trade hasn't officially happened yet, then the Ben Simmons deal can actually be folded into that and happen immediately. Uh, oh, kind yeah. of with the same construction mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yeah, I uh, just, just uh, want to give... A shout out to Jack Fahey, I think. I don't know how to say his last name, but he, he was kind of giving me some cap guidance on this. And, and he did mention that if it was folded into the original deal, that it could work as intended. So, and you know, again, not reporting. I know nothing. But you did say that, you know, one of the cap wasn't DeRozan one of the cap holds that actually hasn't been. Yes, DeRozan yet? and yeah, DeRozan to Chicago as of 2.31 p.m. that you and I are recording this. They have not yeah. uh, officially made that transaction happen yet. So, so. They could actually fold it into that deal, and then it would happen right away. Uh, but the other problem here is, and this is a trade where Daryl Morey is making a decision on on which team to trade with. So Ben Simmons doesn't have a lot of optionality here, especially because his contract is so long. So even yeah. if a team thinks that Ben Simmons doesn't want to go there, then okay, who cares? They'll just get him anyway. They still have like four years of his contract, and then they can try to do what they can to keep him during that time. But I know that we've all heard of the interview that Jason Dumas gave Dumas gave on um, Philly radio talking about how he's completely shut off communication with the Sixers, completely shut mm-hmm. off communication with Embiid. But one of the quotes in there that has been kind of also not looked at very much was uh, he said, he sees Toronto, he sees Portland and Ben to be Frank being a young socialite that he is. He's not looking to go to any of those situations. He's open to going to the California teams and it is a trade. So he doesn't have a choice, but in my mind, <laughs> I imagine that if he doesn't want to go to Toronto and Portland because he's a young socialite, that would probably mean that San Antonio is a turnoff for a similar reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he doesn't have a choice. And if the Spurs get him in, you know, they can, if they have success with him and build around him for three or four years, then, you know, obviously that could change his mind. And it's interesting that I think the the clutch agency and Ben Simmons are trying to do anything they can to get some leverage here when that would maybe matter if he had like one year left on his contract. But, you know, it, it's hard to create that same type of leverage when the contract goes so far out. So we'll see if that dissuades any teams. I can't imagine that it would if the Spurs had interest before that they should probably still have interest. But it's yeah. just he's kind of putting out the signals that he he wants to go to a California team. But I Daryl Morey does not strike me as the kind of executive that would acquiesce to a request like that. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they still have interest here. <laughs> yeah. So no, no, it, it, you're you're right. I mean, and again, until he gets moved from Philly, right now, we're going to continue to revisit this, even though you know there's no rep- late late reporting yet that 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 the Spurs have more interest in him. But again, because of that initial reporting that the Spurs did want to you know look into the situation of what would they need to do to acquire Ben Simmons, you know, we're going to continue to revisit that until until he gets moved to a team. And and like you mentioned, Colin, you know, the fact that if he's not talking to the Sixers, you know, not really engaged with them, all signs point to they're probably not going to bring him in by the time training camp starts. So there, there could be a move here. And I know, I know a lot of the national outlets continue like. Every 
every every podcast you listen to, everyone's always talking about Ben Simmons, what's going to happen with him. So I think that yeah, that he's he's going to get continue to get. We're going to continue to revisit even here on the Spurs cast until we figure out exactly what's happening. And, and just for you, Spurs casters, as we wanted to kind of visit exactly the cat part of this. You know, what what do the Spurs need to do? And again, that's interesting. What Colin noted that you know they could do a sign and trade multi team like they've been doing with different other deals. And, and again, you know, technically DeRozan's not on the Bulls yet, and so they haven't made that that trade as of right now. So so we'll kind of see uh, what ends up happening uh, uh, with the Ben Simmons situation. All right, so for our last topic, um, I just want to you know the Spurs just completed their Salt Lake Summer um, Summer League. Um, uh, yes, Salt Lake Summer League on, on Friday evening, uh, and then now they're going to be heading into to Las Vegas this, in this coming week um, for, for about a week. And so I just want to uh, give you, um, Colin, some thoughts on, on some of the players from what I've seen um, um, out of them. Uh, the first player I want to visit is, is Devin Vassell. Um, you know, he, uh, I'll kind of go through his games and how he's done, and then kind of some things I've noticed and, and what I even talked to him about specifically, what he's added to his game. So, um, you know, he did miss the first game um, uh, against uh, the Jazz White team. Um, due to conditioning he said he said he hadn't played basketball in about a week so I don't know if there was like an injury or what was going on why he hadn't played basketball in about a week but he had basically said he just start, started playing again uh, and, he, and he was out of that game for conditioning in the first game then he plays against the Jazz Blue team um, and if you're confused first guess this is why I'm saying Jazz White Jazz Blue it's because Utah sent two different summer league teams but they're both resent, representing the Utah Jazz so anyway that's why I call them Jazz White and Jazz Blue anyway when he played against the Jazz Blue team he scores 14 points on 17 shot attempts um, gets one assist and two turnovers and I'm only focusing with him on his on his playmaking and, and shot creating creation stats because that's kind of what the Spurs want to see then on Friday against Memphis he had a breakout game 27 points on 30 shot attempts uh two assists and three turnovers uh he he told us the media that after the game that he's a, he, he feels physically like he's at about 75 percent of where he should be uh he wants to he thinks that by the time they get to Vegas with a few days off uh, he can be back he can be at back to 100 percent in his conditioning and how he feels uh the Spurs are definitely giving him the green light to be the focal point on the offense especially in the half court uh he's getting he's getting to run a lot of pick and rolls getting to run a lot of different isolation type sets or or even like their set motion sets where he gets to be the player who gets to take the shot at the end of the possession. Um, he's very good so far at getting to the mid-range whenever the, the, the defense drops on his pick and roll. So, so I noticed yesterday in the first quarter, the, the Jazz defense was kind of dropping on him, and so he would easily just kind of just go to where, he, where he's most comfortable in, in the mid-range and get there with the hard with the hard dribble right or left, and he'd get there and get, and get a pretty good shot attempt. He's also added that little hesitation dribble when driving where he kind of gets the defender on his hip. He's kind of learned how to be a little bit more patient with that, and that definitely shows improved ball handling skills. And so I asked him about that. I said, hey, did you work on that? in the offseason he said yes and then he also told me he worked on some other stuff but he didn't want to give give it all away exactly tell tell what else he's added to his game um he does struggle though what we have seen is that he'll struggle though in, in different pick and roll schemes like when, when, the, when the defense starts blitzing him or when they switch on him uh he, he, he's, he definitely struggled in those second and third quarters against the jazz when they did that to him but he was very open about saying hey i want to i want to see those defensive sets because i'm going to learn you know that's that's the only i'm going to learn is if i get the hardest thing the defense is throwing at me so so he was actually he was actually glad that the jazz actually shifted their coverage against him and made him struggle and then also you know we do see though that he doesn't quite have the, the speed yet to, to take a dribbler um you know a, a defender should i say off the dribble where he kind of beats them in one-on-one he's good he's pretty good about getting like a little crossover into a mid-range jumper but as far as getting to the rim he's not quite there yet so um colin just from some of my notes that i've made what, what are some of your thoughts on what you're seeing um out of Vassell in, in these first few summer summer league games you know i, I talked and i've talked every spurs cast i've been on recently about the Spurs roster kind of inability to create shots for other players. And so if, if Vassell is adding to his his toolkit the ability to create his own shot and do it at a very efficient rate, then I think, you know, that's just one more, like, pro for him, you know, because he has the shooting capability. I know that last year was kind of an up-and-down year in, in terms of that, but obviously the more he adds to his offensive game, the better. And I think this was kind of something you brought up before the podcast – but if, if the games like that last one in Utah continue, I imagine he's not long for <laughs> Vegas life. Yeah. So, um, no, but I, I think, you know, this is obviously a good sign. And I think it's exciting for, I think it's exciting for Spurs fans to see there, there is a lot of excitement around DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker. But I think at this point, we kind of reasonably know who they're going to be. And they can still take step forwards and they can still improve kind of in big ways. But we kind of know, okay, you know, maybe there's a really good year with these shooting splits or something, and one of those players could could have a really outstanding year. But but you know, they're not projected to be perennial all stars or anything. <laughs> and right now, neither are Keldon and Vassell probably. But they've been in the the league for so short a time that we can't say we know exactly who they're going to be when this is all said and done. So it's fun when there's a player with a lot of potential and they come out and they have this kind of good showing at summer league <laughs> and 
whether or not that translates to the real league has been different for different players, but obviously it's better than it not happening. You know, it's better than him coming to summer league and not performing at a high level. So I'm interested to see if this continues in Vegas. And if it does continue and the Spurs kind of pull him out of there, then I think that's a sign that he's pretty important to uh, <laughs> the Spurs yeah. in this upcoming season. Kind of like Kawhi was when they pulled him from summer league way exactly. back in 2012 or something. Yeah, it was 2012. And I remember he had two 25 plus point games and that was it. They pulled him. <laughs> it was just two. So <laughs> Devin already has a 27 point night. He better be careful. No, no. What's, what's also interesting is that, uh, before summer league even started, we had talked to Mitch Johnson before the team departed, uh, before they left to um to, to Salt Lake City, and he had said basically, you know, they don't know, they, 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 you know, we asked him, you know, you know, what are your thoughts on, on him getting to be a, a, a ball handler? And he basically said, I don't know, you know, I really haven't seen him in this role, so this is going to be new for him. And he basically said, you know, this is going to kind of decide, you know, how much they want to give him more responsibility when the full team is together, you know, when the season starts. If he shows that he's actually very productive and, and he has a really high ceiling for this, well, then yeah, they might be giving him sets off uh, with the back with the, with the second unit you know running pick and roll or maybe running it you know in the half court but if but if he struggles with this well then yeah they're gonna they're, they'll probably just you know keep him more so as you know the spot up shooter you know the three and d kind of player uh role that he had similar to last year so again for him there's a, there's there could be a lot there because like i said mitch johnson the coach said that you know they're gonna they're gonna really value i mean uh, really evaluate how he does here and determine you know how, how big of a role should they expand his role or how much should they limit it uh based on, on what he's doing here so again in this game already 27 points and like i said uh he's gonna he wants to he did struggle you know i won't say he was perfect you know he struggled there against different pick and roll coverages but when they were playing that drop defense if he can at least get that down because we know a lot of NBA teams like to play drop defense if you're not a shooter who's like you know Stephen Curry who, who's gonna who's gonna hurt you from three uh, immediately off the dribble well then yeah I mean I think that yeah he's, he's he's you know we'll see how he does in Vegas but he's he's done a good job for himself already initially in these first two games all right Colin now let's go to the next player who man it's crazy how time works so uh, I'm gonna give credit to Jeff McDonald the Express News here um, because he basically says it's only been like eight days since the draft took place. And just the opinions on Josh Primo have definitely changed from, from some Spurs fans, at least on Twitter, that we've seen some reactions. At. And, you know, Primo has been has been really impressive, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, we're not, not no joking aside here. So uh, let's see how, how Josh Primo has done in these first few summer league games. Um, you know, he missed the first game due to calf tightness. So he didn't play in that first game against uh, Jazz White. Then against Jazz Blue, he comes out with 11 points on eight shots two assists, and he had a lot of turnovers, six turnovers. Um, then against Memphis on Friday, he ends up having 17 points, the second leading scorer behind only Devin Vassell on 17 shot attempts, three assists, two blocks. So he's bringing some stuff on defense there, and he limited his turnovers, which is, which is what he said he wanted to do uh, with just three turnovers. So just some initial thoughts that I've seen and I wrote down, you know, based on what I've seen from him, because, again, I, I didn't watch any Josh Primo in college. I didn't watch any, any college basketball, really, um, is he's very good in space when the defense drops or the Spurs run a high pick and roll. So, so when, this, when you're, there's a lot of room for him, he's very comfortable about finding uh, different players or attacking the defense, uh, and especially when there's a lot of space, whether it's like in the open court or if they run a high pick and roll, he's learning how to kind of to get get by. He does struggle though and a lot of his turnovers came so came more so when he was in the half court and you were like within the three-point arc setting a pick and roll and the defense you know it get, it's just more congested in in the area of the floor the floor spacing is gone and so whenever that happens that's where you see a lot of his turnovers come come from it you know he's not he's not as quite good uh just yet in in those um in the pick and roll in those situations uh he's his passing is very advanced and even even Mitch Johnson the coach said he has supernatural passing ability basically saying that he there's not a lot of players who see the kind of angles that Primo sees uh at, when, when driving into the paint and then also he's able to like deliver these right-handed left uh, one-handed passes and also these left-handed one-handed passes he can basically pass with both hands um you know on the dribble and that's that's kind of very difficult for a lot of players to do now he's had, like i said he's had nine turnovers now in two games that he's played but again the fact is even mitch johnson and even devin vassell both said he's seeing the angles he's reading the right plays he's just not able to make them because he's not he's not used to the nba level the speed um the adjustments that they make and so again they're very high on him right now from what they've seen um he's also good on defense about moving laterally as well where he can he does a good job honestly of, of, of sticking with his defender and not letting him get to his spots that he wants to get to he's got it even though you know he, he's young he's only 18 years old he's got a lot of length from uh, on, on him and he's also he's also got some size to him you know he's not quite you know like you would expect like a, a rookie to be like a, like a scrawny player but he's not he's actually got you know he's, he's got some good size on him uh to, to basically contest shots there's been there's been possessions where out on the break he's able to contest a shot and, and uh, at the rim and, and force the player to miss and like i just mentioned here he had two blocks in just his first two games um and then 
this is the part where Spurs uh, Spurs fans got really excited was that just last night in this game against Memphis, he was showing some crazy off the dribble moves and isolation sets where he can like call for a pick and he'll be going to like the left hand dribble and then just pull up for three and make it. He can be like in the mid range, just crossing up a player and then just like hitting like a step back fadeaway. And so, yeah. And, and so the reason why I say that is because like, we're going to get, I was already seeing some mentioning of like, there, there's going to be a point already in the season when like Brent Forbes isn't having a good night or Trey Jones or Lonnie Walker and, and, and the Spurs fans are probably going to start calling for Josh Primo to get minutes and he might be down in Austin so so because of that I mean it's crazy how, how like the perception has already changed just within a few games of summer league here so what have been um what are some of your thoughts based on these summer league notes that I've written yeah so you know I'm gonna admit that I'm not necessarily the most like knowledgeable when it comes to player development but the limited that I do know like everything that he has been able to display well and everything that he has had a you know, more difficulty with, like you're showing flashes of a player who can be really productive in the yes. NBA. You know, mm-hmm. you can't teach vision. You can't teach no. size. Mm-hmm. You can't teach knowing how to play the game at a high level. And the fact that he's showing flashes of all of those things now, you can turn back the turnovers. You can't teach him how to see the angles at the level yes. that he's been seeing them. So these are all very, very exciting things because he has skills that are hard to teach and his mistakes are ones that you can fix. Now, um, I'm sure that you felt this way too, especially with the way that the Spurs draft. One of the frustrating things being someone who follows the Spurs is when they make a draft pick like this and there's this huge upside, but there's maybe the potential for it not to quite work out. We're not going to have our answer for two or three years, you know? Yeah. We're not going to maybe see him get consistent minutes, unfortunately, unless there's like a, a crazy injury. We probably won't see him get consistent minutes in the rotation until season two, just because that's that's how... This has worked for everyone. That's how it worked for DeJounte until Tony Parker got hurt in the playoffs that year. That's how it worked for Derek White. That's how it worked for Lonnie. That's how it worked for Keldon. Like, that's just how it works. And I know this team is less competitive than it was during that tenure of all of those players I just mentioned. But I think that if Spurs fans are really excited about him, I think that they should probably keep their pulse on how to watch Austin Spurs games because he will probably be showing all of those same flashes there. Yeah, and <laughs> um, uh, I'll go ahead. Oh, no, no, it's just, you know, I, th- I think he's an exciting player. He has a lot of skills that are, are worth getting excited about. And I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see if he can show some of them in the Vegas Summer League as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I want to give credit to, I think it was Trevor Zicker before I saw this from on Twitter. And he was basically saying, you know, even though, yes, you know, you're going to you're gonna want to see him at the NBA level immediately, um, you know, you got to give him that chance in Austin to kind of make those mistakes, learn how to, you know, continue to try to make those passing angles and taking those those, those, those kind of shots, but but learning how to make those mistakes where it's not as costly to the team because, you know, they're not at the at the NBA level just yet. So, again, we'll see. I mean, so far, just their two, game, two summer league games, I mean, Joshua Primo was very, very, um, you know, uh, impressive in, in what he's shown uh, um, on both ends of the floor, you know, so far. And, and like I said, Kelt, I mean, it was Devin Vassell who had these quotes about him. It was um, Mitch Johnson, the coach, so I'm saying these, these different things about him as well. All right, so now the last player was the Spurs' second-round draftee. I wanted to see how he played uh, Joe Wieskamp. He's had kind of a tough um, um, summer league start. Um, you know, he's played in all three games. He's, he's been the only one who's been healthy there for all three games. Against the Jazz White, um, with no Primo or Vassell, he, he scored four points on eight shots, uh, went 0-4 from three with three rebounds. Uh, versus Jazz Blue, he scores four, five points on eight shots, um, one of four from three, six rebounds. And then against Memphis, um, seven points on seven shots, 10 rebounds. Uh, and, you know, he'd really... Um He'll probably get some better looks once Trey Jones returns to the lineup because Trey Jones has been out for all of summer league so far. He's in the con- the concussion protocol. I guess that happened during training or something. So so once Jones comes back, um, Mitch Johnson said you know he'll kind of be the quarterback for the team, and I think that he'll get uh, Wieskamp some of those, those those opportunities he's looking for. You know more so as like a spot up shooter or, or or a shooter coming out of like you know half court sets off screens. That's going to be more of his game. And so right now you know that the team has had Primo um, and, and and Vassell running the offense. Well then you know they like I said they they mainly been more so trying to try, like I said they've been taking. 17 30 shots here so 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 there's not a lot of opportunity for a lot of players to to get shots especially somebody like like Wieskamp who you who you look for as like a second or third option on an offensive set um and so just some notes that I made you know watching so far is that he does struggle to get open at the NBA level on and off the ball so I've noticed that you know it's hard for him to to, to get away from his defender kind of whether he has the ball in his hands or not so that's something that's going to be an issue for him um early on um when he does get a spot a shot off in the spot up or off screen or off the dribble handoff action he has shown 
showing that he has good form on the shot. You know, they're just not going in right now, but I can definitely tell he can make the three ball if he can get the shot. That's the thing is he has to be able to get the shot. And then he, um, I've seen him struggle a little bit on off-ball defense, and then he's been very impressive. Again, even though he hasn't been doing it a lot on offense, just the fact that he's continued to, to be um, uh, getting defensive boards there. He got, like I said, he had 10, 10 boards, seven boards in a game, or six boards in a game uh, for his size at like six, 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 seven kind of range. Um, so just based on some of these notes, uh, what are some of your thoughts on Wieskamp? So kind of just like what we talked about with, so kind of just like what we talked about with, um, you know, all of the things that are exciting. For me, when I hear things like he has difficulty getting away from his offender, that is something that worries me a little bit. You know, that mm-hmm. might be something where, as time goes on, that he can improve it. However, I think that a lot of the times we look at shooting and we look at it in a vacuum and we think, oh, a good shooter, the the any my NBA team of choice needs a good shooter because that's the best skill. But if he's unable to like get open then that's become, that will become problematic. And I think if he can learn to kind of navigate screens off ball, kind of like a J.J. Redick or a Joe Harris, yeah. <laughs> his value to an NBA team goes way up. So I think that's kind of the big swing skill for him is being able to move, you know, really honestly more so without the ball. Can he navigate screens without the ball? Can he find ways to get himself open and then can hit shots consistently? Because if he can, then he's an NBA player. And that's just so valuable. So it'll just be interesting to see how that skill develops because that really is a swing skill for a shooter like him, in my opinion. Yeah, and for a player like him, you know, who again he's not the primary ball handler. Um, he he's, he he needs to have chemistry with the with the with the guards or whoever's making the playmaking. So if he doesn't have that chemistry, it's it's tough because you know they're only looking at, out for him if if you know they have to bail on a possession and really just find you know kick out to a three point shooter. Whereas somebody like Trey Jones is more of a natural point guard, like like Coach Mitch Johnson called him a quarterback. You know, he's gonna know exactly. You know, I got to keep getting primo. I, I got to get primo involved. I got to get uh, Devin involved. I got to get um, Wieskamp involved. You know, on, on a possession here. So like, so I think he also needs like more so like a natural point guard or just more time with some these players to try to, to to try to get more uh, against some different kind of open shots and opportunities all right so um thank you spurs cast listeners for listening to this episode don't forget to visit projectspurs.com um we're continuing to cover free agency again there's going to be some moves that have to be made by the time opening night gets here because they're you know this roster just cannot go into to opening night with with, with more than, than 15 players um well you know vegas summer league is about to start we have all of our analysis over on the um on the uh, on the utah summer league over on project spurs you can re- you can read those uh we have different writers you know just dive, writing different analysis analysis uh we have a, another piece also by one of our newest writers evan townsend he writes um why josh primo went from underwhelming pick to exciting pickups so again you can read evan's new piece over on productspurs.com thanks again to colin for joining me here on the spurs cast and also to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure.